What's up? Welcome back to Modern Cars. I am John at John J.H. Coyle. I'm here with Casey at ModCom Podcast. Casey, how you doing over there, buddy? Hey, John. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain too much. Been on this crazy <laughs> content production cycle, and uh, it's it's wow. a lot, but it's exciting. It's fun. Learning a lot really fast, and yeah. uh, I guess we'll talk about that on uh, some episodes here in the near future. Yeah, we we should. I was thinking about it, and I was like, we're going to be probably, when this is going like full bore, we're going to probably be creating like 25 unique pieces of content per week, including this show, uh, Modern Commerce. I got a special one for you today. I planned it, uh, and I, I'm, we're going to do some story time. I'm going to tell you a couple stories, a couple business-related stories, give you what I feel maybe are some takeaways, or we can just both kind of riff on some takeaways. Uh, and we are going to do that right after a quick word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Reconvert, a Shopify app that will instantly help you increase your average order value. So after somebody places an order, they pay now. My order's being processed. The number one way that we have found to increase average order value is the post-purchase one-click upsell, which looks just like this. After somebody buys, you make them another offer. And if they take it, it is instantly added to their order. Best way to increase AOV. That's true, John. But it's not perfect for every brand and every customer for every brand. So one of the other tools that not very many brands are taking advantage of right now is using this confirmation page as real estate to be pitching offers here as well. People are going to be coming back to this page quite often, checking on the status for their orders, and it's a great place to be pitching them other products. It won't be a one-click upsell, but an upsell nonetheless, great place to get extra conversions. People might reconvert. <laughs> Uh, so head on over to reconvert.io to increase your average order value today. What if I were to tell you that the biggest baller that ever existed in any business uh, was a simple banana salesman, just a, just a fruit peddler, simple fruit peddler. This guy was so influ influential that he actually was pretty instrumental in creating the state of Israel. He ran two government coups uh, and he basically created a monopoly in the, uh, in the American fruit industry. Pretty crazy, right? Uh, how, how old, when was this story? Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. This well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. Create it, help create around. Israel. Yeah, I don't even dude. know how old that is. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I don't. I'm no historian, but uh, or mathematician, you know. But it was a while ago. Um, so I'm gonna get into that story in just a little bit. I'm gonna share a couple stories with you today. The first one is kind of a fun, lighthearted one. I thought you, Casey, specifically would relate to it because uh, I think it comes from somebody who uh, had a marketing agency. So this is what the Modern Commerce Show I think is gonna turn into a little bit more is just us sharing some stories uh, and and pulling out the insights that we find from it. And same with our guests, just sharing stories, you know, telling stories. Yeah, we're storytellers at heart. So why would we change it up as soon as we get in front of an audience? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, all right, so first up, I'm, I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, so I'll read this story. This is from somebody, you know, uh, on the on the interwebs. They commented on this, like, you know, hey, I'm looking for stories thing. Um, and he said, during COVID, we ran a very successful ad campaign for a client. The client was thrilled with it and remains a client until this day, but there was an awkward, humorous bump along the way that drove home a couple of important lessons for us. In the midst of the campaign, I received a scathing email from a contact associated with the client. This particular contact, he does go on to say that that contact that was at the client is no longer with them, so they've parted ways, uh, but he spotted a racy ad alongside the YouTube video 
that uh, this person's co company had uploaded. Um, and he was appalled that the company's product was appearing on the same page on YouTube as an ad for a sex toy. So uh, they had to privately email back and explain to him that that is most likely a retargeting ad uh, based on your past preferences and browsing history. And, uh, you know, also good luck with the anal beads. Hopefully you choose the right size. Uh, so, sorry if, if it's my confusion here, but I have to ask just to clarify. This is separate from the banana story. Right? This is not the banana story. <laughs> okay, this I was gonna say bananas, sex. Yeah, toys, and I mean, then we don't need to get bananas. Into that, but... Yeah. All right. No. Okay. Yeah. No, that's hilarious. This is a, this is a warm up story. Yeah, that is absolutely hilarious. I remember something similar once when we, uh, I think we shot some content. This is, I think, even before we used to do podcasting. I think we might have actually shot some kind of ad or something, or at least placed an ad of somebody else's onto a page that we created yeah. and we sent it to a client of ours. This is again, years ago and they watched it and they were like, I don't like how other people like competitors videos pop up afterwards. And I'm like, well, well that's on you. Like that's I you, called advertising, been, yeah. right? That's YouTube feeding you another video that they think you'll like. So that's based on yeah. your preferences and what you are watching on YouTube. So like, <laughs> I think you just added yourself as being like kind of obsessed with like competitors. So. Right. Yeah. Which is more understandable. I think, you know, it's like, yeah, of course you're checking out your competitors and stuff like that. This yeah. dude's like, yeah, I mean, I'm looking for well, uh, mail order brides from right, Ukraine. Right. I mean, I brought it back. To, I'm trying to bring it back to an actual, like more marketing place. I think right. at least this is in my head, the way the story I just told is less about like, oh, like good, like, uh, competition, like spine, you know, investigating the competition and doing like actual research like that. And it came off a little bit more like, uh, like maybe they're, they, they kind of take a lot from, from other creator kind of thing like that. I kind of got that vibe right. about it. Like, like they're insecure about it and they watch other stuff like even more than themselves and stuff like that. So. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, it, it, this one. So my biggest takeaway, I think on this one is like, uh, something I heard, Man, who did I who did I hear say this? Somebody who's built uh, some some pretty pretty big companies, and that is like, like kindness is free. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and and when you're running a company, and I, I'm not sure that if this person was an authority at the client company or not, uh, but when you're when you're running a company, uh, you can be kind or not kind, and it costs the same, right? Either way, um, or you can be like understanding or not understanding, and it costs the same either way. Like whether you're a dick or whether you're nice to the people that you're working with, whether that's your vendors uh, or your internal employers or whoever it is, uh, it, it doesn't cost you any more, and it really doesn't even cost that much more effort. Uh, but it does. There is a massive amount more risk with it, right? So when you go and you decide to be a dick, <laughs> and then you end up being in the wrong you look like so much more of a dick. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if right. you were like nice about it in the first place, uh, then it then it just looks like you were curious. You know, hey, I'm just curious about these ads, right? Uh, right. And it might, you know, might still be a little embarrassing, but at least you weren't like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Yeah, I guess the main thing I would say from that is I think everybody gets gets it a little bit being frustrated about things that you don't exactly like or something yeah. happens the way you didn't expect. But, and, and actually I think there's a, a, you know, obviously there's a, a time and a place for criticism in the professional world in every industry. 
But even as far as something that can be a little bit more like petty sounding, I think is where we're kind of diving into a little bit more subjective and stuff. I would say there's even plenty of room for criticism and things like that just on like a human level so you're not dealing with these bottled up emotions but you should probably let something like bug you multiple times you know what i mean like if something happens half a dozen times you're like hey this always bugs me. that's the right time to say it and also maybe you formulate your thoughts around it a little bit more to still have the effect you want but not be mean yeah maybe instead of sending that sex toy email maybe you kind of like sit on it for a day you know or just sit Google on the sex it. toy? Yeah, sit on that sex toy for a day. <laughs> that's a long time. I don't think that's the recommended usage for most sex toys. So. I mean, it just depends on what you're using, man. Consult your doctor you know? after anything. Right. Yeah. Hey, we're not we're not doctors. four hours. Yeah, we're not doctors. Never were. Yeah. Uh, we've we we're also you know I barely even passed geography, so definitely not a doctor. Um. Yep. Very, so, very related to in, incredible incredibly related uh to being a doctor um so yeah no i mean i think uh this is a good one and i think this is like any anybody who does a client business i think this was like this is my like ode to client business owners right agency owners things like that uh because everyone has that you know p- you know PETA client that pain in the ass client uh and and like, usually it's like, they just, you're just in a position where it's like, you can't really fire them. And, and the gurus will tell you like, Oh, don't ever work with anybody who's like a pin in the ass or that. Like they end up taking more research. Yeah. That's great. Except for when they pay for half of your team, right? Like if they're a huge client or what that just is, that's just what it is. That's service. That's the service industry period. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's like, it's always nice when you can be like, Oh, actually, uh, that looks like it's probably a retargeting ad. So yeah. You're into some I mean, weird hey, stuff. I, I agree that it's super nice when it's you satisfying. are in a position where you can say F off a client who is a pain in right. the ass to me and my agency. And that can be a real morale booster if that's how like a larger team feels in general about a certain client. Yeah. Like that can, I just coming from like, uh, you know, some bigger agency experience. Sometimes those people at like the ground level, let's say working with a client on a more intimate basis, like on a daily basis, if you keep sending it up the ladder, like, man, we'd really love to move on from these guys kind of thing. And if, <laughs> and if ne- kind of the ne- upper, you know, if the executives or whoever is controlling, you know, those types of decisions, if they ever do choose on like your behalf, your team's behalf to part ways with the client, that can, that can go a long way to building like good rapport internally too. Yeah. Although, I mean, replacing revenue is tough always i mean it's just the way it is but if you happen to find yourself in a situation where you have somehow a surplus of clients or uh plenty of revenue coming in i mean first of all congrats to you uh not too many people uh find themselves that with those problems necessarily but uh yeah i mean it is sometimes worth doing uh yeah i think uh my when when you are a service company and you do have the people who are working with a client constantly telling you hey this client's like a real pain um or this client's very difficult to deal with it or this client's taking a lot of my time uh i think the communication back down is great either way right if if you know you can't fire that client at least telling the team like hey we can't fire them here's why uh then there's there's a level of understanding 
and and it, right. they get that like hey i get it i've been in your position before and i get that it sucks we can't fire them here's why here would be the alternative you know here's what we'd have to do if we fired them um and and it's worse than actually just keeping them um that's that's better than that's better than not saying anything than just being like okay thanks for letting me know and then doing nothing mm -hmm. with it which i think uh once once agencies start doing that it starts to feel real corporate working there um when you're a yeah. team member and that's that's when it like a lot of times the service goes downhill a little bit, I think. And for those team members, I mean, John, I guess a question to you about this being a former head of paid department at a large marketing agency and head of your own agency, you know, before that, even uh, who, who do you think are the more typical like employees or team members who get upset with clients? I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, are they more veteran people, highly skilled or are they the super new entry level positions typically? Like, who do you think, who, who in your experience have you seen most frustrated typically? Because I, I have my opinion. I think, yeah, I that's interesting. I, I actually don't know that I uh, see a pattern on this. Uh, really? I, I think that uh, I challenge you on this one. Mike. I think that vet, I think that veteran people do a better job. They have like more context for whether somebody's actually a PETA client or whether they're they're just, you know, they're not really they're not really that bad. You know what I mean? Um, whereas entry level people might complain about, you know, complain about a dealing with a client or entry level people will just be like sometimes surprised at the the uncomfortable conversations that you have to have with clients because like they're kind of like oh don't they know and you're like oh no no they never know this is like one of the normal things this isn't even a pain right. in the ass client this is like one of the normal things you have to deal with uh so yeah i think uh i i think a lot of times it's veteran people that you listen to when it's entry-level people i think that's more of a managerial thing or or a team lead needs to come alongside them and be like you know is it really a PETA client or is it really or or is it like they're just kind of new yeah, I thought you were going to go more down the middle on that one. So I'm glad yeah. you went that way because that's that's where I was going to go with it is that for one with these PETA clients, you know, usually they're high paying, which is why they stick around. If they were a low paying one or, or kind of a lower level one, more likely you already have or, or would break up with them. So the odds of kind of a I don't want to say more highly valued team member, but, a, you know, a, a team member you compensate more heavily and, and you put on the higher level uh, clients. Those mm -hmm. are the ones who are more likely, you know, they also have a good bit of ego sometimes too. They know what they're talking about and they know that, you know, right. so those are the ones who are a little more uh, clear with their views on certain strategies and things. And uh, I won't, there's a real particular person in mind that I just won't name uh, unless you wanted to. I'm almost sure you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, that, that's what comes to mind to me is just when somebody gets, I, I don't want to say too big for the britches, but actually confident in their skills that's when you might feel more confident also being like, you know what? Know who sucks? This, these people, you know, yeah. like, can we get rid of them please? And unfortunately for that person, uh, a lot of times the answer is like, well, at least not right now. You know, what's funny <laughs> is that I think that you're, you're like probably thinking of a specific situation, but like this in my, in my role, this has happened so many different times with different That's people. That's what I mean. Like that, it's, that yeah. I, I can't, I don't know that who you're specifically thinking of, but uh yeah we i mean we can keep it off the air for sure but um yeah. no i i uh I, you know i look i think it's a good lesson and and the other thing the other thing that happened there is we learned that the person who sent that like you know angry emails no longer at the company that's another thing as a service business it's just like sometimes the answer is just like hey stick around right like you might be around longer than that team members around 
Um, or sometimes not, you know, sometimes you're not around, but, but a lot of times when there's a situation like that, where there's this friction between, you know, agency and, and this new team member or a team member, somebody's going to go. Uh, and I've had it happen several times where it's like that team member goes, I've had it happen sometimes where the agency goes, and then I've had it happen sometimes where the agency goes. And then later that team member goes and the original, you know, founder or other team member leader, uh, comes back to the agency. So just stick around. Don't burn bridges. That's it. So it's actually a pretty solid, like, I know we're focused on a, on a certain situation right now. Yeah. Actually like stick around. Don't burn bridges. Not a bad life motto, honestly, just yeah. in general, like stick, stick to it, stick to what you're doing. Show try up. not to piss people off along the way unnecessarily, you know? Yep. Show up. Um, all right. We're going to get into the second story about the, the, you know, the banana, the banana empire, man. Banana and, me up, bro. I'm the, ready to get the, emperor of, the emperor of the bananas. Uh, we're going to get right into that after a quick word from our other episode sponsor for today. What's up, everybody? Today's episode is brought to you by Monk Commerce. It's a super slick in-car upsell app. So if I want to buy these New Balance trainers I'm trying to get in shape, I add them to my cart. My cart opens up and it says, hey, look, you're only $5 away from free shipping. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll add this to my cart since you recommended it. And now I got my free shipping. But hold up, I'm only $38 away from a free gift. So why don't I add a pair of size eight new balance trainers to my cart for my girlfriend. She's got bigger feet than me. And now look at this. It actually automatically added that free gift straight to my cart for me. That will all be there when I check out super nifty app, super slick, super quick way to increase your AOV. Go to monkcommerce.com. Try it free on your store for seven days. Okay. We are back and we're here to talk about the banana man himself. All right, Ooh. Casey, this is, so this guy, and the reason I wanted to tell you about this, uh, first I want to shout out uh, uh, someone who's been on our podcast before, Jesse Puji, and uh, his podcast, The Crazy Ones, with Alex Lieberman, who founded Morning Brew, uh, or was the co-founder of Morning Brew. Uh, they were who, how I originally heard of this guy, like Jesse brought it up on his pod, and, uh, and he brought up this book. Uh, and I looked more into this guy because I'm like, how didn't, how does nobody know about him? Like, yeah. how is he not one of these like John Rockefeller, you know, like uh, Andrew Carnegie stories where like people know about it. Um, so this book in just with the reference for all of this information is coming from the, the name of the book is um, the fish that ate the whale. <laughs> uh, what is it? The fish that ate the whale. The Life and Times of America's Banana King. So the fish that ate the whale, colon, the life and times of America's Banana King. There's just so many, like I would be, I would read that. You know what I mean? There's, there's so many, like, it's just like four titles. America's Banana King. I mean, I, that, am the, I am the Banana King. It's one of those things where no, no word itself is crazy. And, and it's not that many words, but you just put them together in that particular order. And it's still not that crazy, but it's inherently compelling. Like, what do what does that even mean? Like, yeah. What? Who is America's Banana King, John? Are we going to get a name, by the way? Or are you just going to keep calling oh, him yeah, Banana no, King gonna... throughout this? So his name is Sam Zemmeray. So it's Z-E-M-U-R-R. So it's Z-E Murray, like this way you would normally spell Murray. Okay. So it might be Zemmeray. I don't know. But Sam Zemmeray, Sam Zemmeray. It's probably a pronunciation on, on the line, on the internet. Uh, nicknamed... Sam the Banana Man. Love it. Uh, so Sam the Banana Man. 
uh, he's living, I think in Florida, Miami, something like that, uh, in the, in like kind of down there. And, uh, so bananas, first of all, this is a, a good starting point here. So bananas are a completely capitalistic, uh, thing in, in the United States. There's, uh, they don't grow, they don't grow here. So there's right. no bananas in the U.S., right? Uh, sure. Somebody at some point in time, this wasn't Sam Zemre. Uh, somebody at some point in time was like in South America and they're like, hey, these fruits are yummy. Like we should bring them to the U.S. and sell them to people, right? Uh, so Sam's living in Florida uh, and he's seeing, you know, bananas come off the boat, get loaded up. And what they do is when the bananas aren't green, right? Because they have to be green at that point because by the time they hit stores, they need to be yellow. This is probably, this is sometime in the late 1800s. So he's born in 1877. So he's this is probably 1890. Man, he's a young he's a young dude. Um, so they have to uh, they have to be green when they so all the ones that aren't green when they come off the boat, like if they're yellow, they call them like overripe and they just threw them away. So he sees this happening and he's like, hey, can I just like have those bananas that are overripe that are yellow? And they're like, yeah, sure. Like he has been, you know, so he's like, so he takes those bananas and he goes then to local street vendors in the area and he sells those bananas for like a really good price to those street vendors. And then the street vendors turn around and flip them. So he's got a little wholesaling business going on here where his cost of goods sold is zero because he's pulling them straight off the boat because these guys were about to throw them away. Right. So smart kid, hustler. He's a hustler kid. Um, this is like, to me, the equivalent of like, uh, uh, like it's like the fruit banana sales equivalent of like having a lawn mowing business in your neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? I guess. I think the main difference- <laughs> Already you're like, I don't know, man. This dude seems pretty smart. <laughs> well, this guy, I mean, he's a banana king. You don't see a lot of banana kings mowing lawn. You already know that he's America's banana. Like if I was telling you this story and I was like, Fair so enough. this is what this kid did. You didn't know he was going to become the banana king. It's fair enough. But yeah. at this point, he's at least a, like a banana prince or duke, at least something he's like a, that. He's, but, a, he's a banana knight. So right now he's kind of a banana knight. The banana knight? Okay. Um, yeah. I like that. That makes It sounds like Mennonite if you say it too fast. Like, yeah. Now I got like a yeah. bonnet on him in this uh, imagery. No, uh, the main difference I would point out from a kid just like mowing lawns is uh, that's like an opportunity that's well known. And it takes like the like the determination, I guess, and like ability to like run down that opportunity in a neighborhood. I get you. But this yeah. guy he dug found up an, opportunity. an opportunity, which is, yeah. I, I would say is like the key piece. And then he's not, I think also, uh, I think a lot of people might have that skill set, but to have both of like, I'll find opportunities and have the the wherewithal and the stick to itiveness to actually run it down. That's, yeah. that's where you, that's where you get somebody who's banana night worthy. I guess. Yeah. So, so the banana night, he does this and then like through a series. So, so I'll kind of skip forward in the story, as you can imagine, through a series of events, he's, he's incredibly savvy. And right now he's running a business at a 100% profit margin. So like not difficult at all to like, he's got cash to invest. You know, he starts hiring other people to, so that he can distribute to more vendors and he starts to, and then pretty soon the, the banana boat people are like, I'm pretty sure that we should start charging you for the, like, why you, why you got all these 10 kids around here with carts? Like something's going on here. Right. Yeah. Um, but he's a smart business person. And the, and the thing that I will say about him is that he's a logistical freak. Right. Uh, and so what he did is he just started working his way up the supply chain and he's like, all right, I can't be relying on these banana boat people anymore. Like, how do I get a banana boat? How do I get lately? And through a series of events, through being a logistical freak, through being incredibly savvy and like, you know, stringent with his money, uh, he ends up, uh, he's a good businessman. He ends up, he buys his own land, like a big plot, like 
a large, many hundreds of many thousands of acres in Honduras um, and starts growing his own bananas, right? Because again, you can't grow bananas in the United States. He's a U.S. native, but he has to, he basically creates a banana and sort of empire just, just in to be Honduras. Clear, you're not saying there's any kind of like illegality to growing bananas. It's just like they don't a temperature grow here. climate thing. They don't grow here. Yeah, correct. Right. Maybe maybe there are some places or technology where you can grow bananas in like Florida. Florida would be probably the place, right? If any, if any there yeah. if any place. But uh yeah, they don't they don't grow here. So he's in Honduras. I actually don't even think they grow in like Mexico. Um so at least at this point in time. So he's in Honduras. He has this large plot of land in Honduras. Now he's growing his own bananas. He's like, nobody's ever going to mess with my supply chain again. I own the land. I own the, you know, banana trees. I own, you know, like my supply chain is, is cool. But he had started on the sales side, right? So he had the distribution and then he just worked his way back in supply chain. But then like the fact, like his operational mastery, like his operational optimization freakishness really came into play because like, you know, I don't know, most banana farms produce X amount of bananas per acre per day or whatever. His was like 2X or 3X, right? Um, and then even the things like, oh, like how do I take care of these yellow ones? Like he kept that same thing going where it's like the yellow ones, you know, we don't have to throw those away and, and all of this stuff, right? So he's like just building this, growing this banana empire. But the biggest issue he has is that he's in Honduras, right? And so <clears throat> uh, the US owed a bunch of money to the UK at the time. And uh, so they passed a tariff uh, on Honduran goods. So they were going to do a, a deal with Honduras where they were going to pass a tariff on, on imported goods um, because they were essentially trying to like raise money, find money to, to uh, not be in debt to the UK. Um, I don't, I don't like fully understand the full political thing there. Um, but basically this guy's like, you know, he goes to the U S government and he's like, Hey, you can't do this. And they're like, we don't care about your stupid banana business. Like this is real world stuff. Right. Like, get out get out of here, right? <laughs> yeah. Can I, get out. At this point, he's probably like a banana, maybe a banana prince, definitely royalty, you know, definitely. Uh, he might not be first in line to the throne, but he's, yeah, he's got like, you know, he's in the mix. He, 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 I don't know if he's fully, he's probably not like Jon Snow, you know, but he's probably, he's probably like Brandon, right? He's like a Brandon Stark at this point, not okay. first in line and not for the throne, but he's, right. he's a definitely uh, an important piece. Like a second uh, or third born son of the, the true banana king of the true banana. Yeah. Of, of like the fruit, you know, ruler of, of, the, of world. the banana industry. You're right. Exactly. And, or the fruit industry, let's call it. Uh, but yeah. he's, he's specifically focuses on bananas. So that's why, right. Cause he's, so he's just in Winterfell on bananas. Um, and it, which is a weird comparison because Winterfell bananas most certainly would not grow there. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so uh, he, that's kind of where he's at right now, but like also, you know, the reason I made the game of Thrones Thrones reference, cause you know, like this is also a world where it's like very reasonable that the first in line will die. Like, you know, like this is, mm -hmm. that's just the world that we live in. Can, anyway, can you so, remind me what, like what time, what age we're in here? What I, I've forgotten already. So, so at this point we, we would be like late 1800s, early 1900s. Okay. Um, okay. You know, so like, we're like pre world war one, even. People um, are like right. photography, right. like yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's yeah. nuts, magic. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly, right. So For reference. Um, he uh, so that the U.S. government laughs him out of there. They're like, get out of here, you stupid banana seller. Uh, you know, we're doing real stuff. So he's like, all right, well, look, what do I have? I have a bunch of money, and I have a bunch of land in Honduras. 
so, so what he does is he goes and raises a private army in Honduras, hires a private <laughs> army in Honduras, finds a former Honduran president and is like, hey, man, you good to be president again? And this guy's like, sure. And he runs a coup. <laughs> in honduras banana coup? <laughs> he runs a banana coup uses his private army to overthrow the honduran president puts his guy in there his guy doesn't do the deal with the u.s so there's no tariff uh so he's like yeah good i can sell my bananas he's like okay u.s you won't take care of me because he's a u.s citizen right and he has a u.s business uh he's like u.s won't take care of me like i guess i'll just take care of it on the on the south american end uh and the way you take care of things on the south american end it's just it's a little different it's a little different over there oh I have so many questions. Right. Yes. That, this by the way, by it. the way, before you ask your questions, this is like a third of the way through the book. This happens. Okay. There's this a lot I, more. There's a there, lot. I, more. Sounds like there's a lot, but this is the first like hard left turn. Oh this yeah. Is, I have so many questions. Do you, can you fill me in on the context of the Honduran politics? Like what? What? Like is that like a dictatorship or like like a what? Does, what kind no, of? No, I don't. So I don't know. That, like, I don't know that much about that. I yeah. I don't no. think it's like a democracy. Um, right. I mean, obviously, like running a coup. Like certainly, it wasn't afterwards. No. Uh, but no. Like, he's I, like, I think it's a. I think. I think that the way that a lot of South American politics is pretty much how I just run is pretty much how I just described. Like, if someone has money, they become president. Like, right. Sure. You know. Like that's, that's how it works. I mean, but of course, I, yeah, and I had to, and I'm, I'm going off of like hearsay, you know, accounts of people I know who have spent time in South America or whatever, but they're like, it's sure. just like, like if you ask them that stuff like that, they're like, there's just, it, it's, it's an irrelevant question to ask. Like, well, what is it? Is it like a democracy? Is it a dictatorship? Or is it, it's like, it's a, who has money has power. Like that's, that's how it works. Uh, yeah. A little looser, maybe hey, a little loosey goosey, less, less yeah. official kind of like, no, we're in charge now. And if, you're big enough and scary enough and rich enough. They're like, yeah, you are actually in charge now. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You got all the guns. All right. You got all the Fair guns. Enough. You're in charge. Yeah. I got lands. I got bananas and I got an ex-president. That's all you need to run a coup in Honduras. <laughs> yeah. It's, I like how he didn't want to be president either. He's like, that sounds like a lot of work. Like this guy <laughs> who used to be president, which the other thing, the other question I have and that I don't, don't know, cause I didn't read the full book. I read like footnotes on this and like, as, Where did he find the former president? Like, how, how does how does somebody become a former president in Honduras? Like, that seems like a job that, like, oh, the only way you're a former president is if you're not alive anymore, right? Like, <laughs> so there's only one way out. There's <laughs> only one way out. Yeah. Anyway, no, I don't uh, think they're quite that level. I mean, jeez. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not the blood, but yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, that's like, of course, after this, so this is, uh, he starts having, uh, like now he's, he's set a standard at this point. Like he has, you know, basically a private army, uh, but oh, most fruit companies own land and like a lot of stuff. They, they own land and things in South America. So he's got land in like Honduras and Guatemala and stuff like that. But so does United fruit, which was like the biggest, they were like, you know, they're like the King Robert or the, you know, Lannisters or whatever. Yeah, I was just they're, gonna they're say, the power that's becoming be. way more clear that you're actually telling a story about like Daenerys Targaryen, really. She's right, amassing yeah. a, an army, like yes. getting like former, like respected <laughs> officials from like the current. Like, yep. yeah, this is we were off. We started in the wrong location. That's okay. Yeah. You aren't so, a geography expert, as no. noted at the top of the show. It's OK. Yeah. I don't know anything about shapes. So the, there's a the, uh <laughs> It took you, man. That joke took you a no, second. It's a good joke. Yeah. It's quality yeah. joke. Yeah. So, um, and if you didn't get that joke, <laughs> it's okay. Look Maybe up geography. 
yeah um so so yeah in any case united fruit which is like the power that be at this point obviously they're this guy's on their radar now because they're like that's the actual name you didn't make that up united united fruit Fruit. yeah okay uh so in that his company is not named that so his company is the company that would eventually become chiquita bananas uh yeah so so uh, but like, stay tuned. There's, there's more, <laughs> but, uh, they, they, so United fruit, obviously he's on their radar now because it's like, this guy ran a coup, right? Like you can't run a coup and stay under the radar. People notice. So, yeah. uh, so United fruit, they start kind of hiring their own private army too. Like at this point, they're like, I guess to be in the fruit game, you have to have a South American army. Uh, and they start having these like basically land battle skirmishes. Like there's like fruit wars in Guatemala going on at this Does point. Does United Fruit have a flagship fruit as well? I don't know. I don't know. I think they, I mean, I think that this would specifically be the banana wars, you know? I mean, that's what I was like. Maybe they're big in apples or something. And I'm like, is this like banana V apples? Or? So I think, I think United Fruit is the juggernaut because they're in a lot of fruit, you know? And this guy's like, I'm just a banana sure. man, you know? Wait, I'm a banana side t- tangent here, just to like mix it up, keep it lively. Banana V fruit, John, which, which camp are you in? Banana actual fruit, actual all fruit. fruit. No, oh, uh, sorry. Banana V apple is what I meant to say. Just because I'd funny. be an apple. I'd be an apple guy personally. Yeah. You know, me too. I'm, be. I'm actually, I'm like the guy who I would eat the banana off the boat. Like by the time it gets to the store, I'm like, Ugh, it's, it might be a little too ripe for me. You want the green. You like the green. I want it green. Yeah. I want Ooh, it green. No. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. I'll go like a couple flecks even of black on it before. Ugh, I uh, no. Oh, that would yeah. make me. Too but we're apple guys. We're apple guys. Which doesn't favorite matter. Apple? Doesn't What's matter. Favorite apple. Uh, I like the red delicious, you know, like gala. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're in Washington. What's your, are you in, are you connoisseur of apples? I like quite a few different kinds of apples. Uh, are you green apple like a guy? seasonal thing. It's, it's a seasonal thing. But if I did have to pick like one style of apple for the rest of my life, I think I'd have to go with the granny Smith, like the mm-hmm. kind of a sour, sour guy. And they're, they're like, there's, they're more manageable. Not that like, <laughs> Oh, this apple! I could not possibly. Yeah, how could I ever eat all this? Yeah, but you know what I mean. You can you can slam down one, double dip, and get like two red deliciouses. Is crazy. But two Granny Smiths. That's crazy talk. Yeah, normal. That's like the the serving size. Anyway, I have one. I have one. I have one gripe, not a grape, a gripe with red delicious. (laughs) And uh, and that gripe is that the the only issue that I have with red delicious is sometimes they can be bruised and you cannot know. Like they, they like they hide their bruise as well. Um, I see. They're kind of like a yeah. You know, like, that's they're kind of like true. an ab- yeah. They're like a an abused middle class uh, housewife. Like they just hide their <laughs> hide their bruise as well. You know what I'm saying? And like, they uh, they uh, those bruises are like th- that apple that that species. I don't I don't know. They're already like <laughs> particularly like mushier than other ones. So like a bruise yeah. on that is oh, yeah, yeah inedible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry no, I, I derailed us a little bit, but yeah, but I think you were about to get to like in impeachment no. or something he, of the banana. I see. I'm just no. Uh, yeah. So, so he's having he's having these like he's basically having a private war with United Fruit, um, and so now the U.S. government is getting involved because uh, they're like, hey, um, you guys are U.S. based companies technically, like. You might loan land over here, but you're U.S.-based companies, and like you're kind of killing each other's employees. Uh, and I, I guess the U.S. government isn't big fans of that. Uh, so, sure. so they're like, you know, on the one hand, I think it's like the State Department or the Department of uh, Commerce or something like that. So the State Department wants them to merge, but then like the Department of Commerce is like they can't merge, then it's a monopoly, right? So there's like this whole thing on the U.S. side too, where they're like. 
hey, stop killing each other. You have to be one company now. But then they're like, no, no, we can't make them be one company. Our whole thing is like, we're not like we we have to break up monopolies. Like can't make them be a company and then break them up. Uh, so eventually the State Department wins. They have to merge. Um, so he sells. So he sells. To, go ahead. You have a question. I have a question. Yeah. Do you have any references? And I know this. I'm just spouting like nonsense questions at you but this one's actually for context like do you have any general body count or anything no. of, of dot of, can, i don't think about, they how do about, how about how about i don't this? think they this? do i think they're like put how about this a john Coyle yeah. exclusive like random totally not like don't don't take it seriously guess what talk, i, talk I would say dozens but probably not hundreds okay Dozens of people are dead over bananas, guys. This is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So there's, so it's like a series of skirmishes, right? Uh, but again, this is coming from the footnotes, so that's just a random ass guess. It's a rag. Oh uh, my god, bananas! There must have been a ton of guerrilla warfare. It's <laughs> a good one. It's a good one. Thanks. We need like some sound effects, you know. All right. So, uh, so he. He he sells is what he does. He sells like a large portion of his shares to United Fruit, Chiquita, you know, like or whatever the company was then. Uh, gets absorbed by United Fruit. He remains a shareholder, um, and not like the majority shareholder. And he steps out of operations. So he's like, all right, you guys got it. Steps out of operations, um, and then United Fruit proceeds to essentially run the business, the entire business. Now that they have the monopoly, they run the entire business into the ground. Um, and it's like not profitable anymore. And like, he's like, I'm not making any money from it. Like he's supposed to be making passive money from it. Um, and I think a big part of the reason he did that is because the, while this is all going on, on the side here, like his family's kind of a, like kind of a wreck, right? Like they're kind of a shit show. They're like in shambles, which makes a lot of sense. He's in South America running coups and like starting wars. Right. There's a lot of um, stuff going on. Yeah, there's a lot mean. going on. Right. And so they're like, his whole family is like this family that has a lot of money and like not a lot of, you know, structure. Um, and, and no, you know, no father figure, uh, for the kids, which is lots of research shows that's important. Right. So, um, anyway, so he was trying to like, be like, Oh, Hey, cool. Yeah. Like here's my out. Right. And then, uh, United fruit proceeds to run it into the ground. And he's like, I mean, all of my money and everything is tied up in this. So he goes to the United fruit board, like of directors that are like in New York or whatever. Uh, and, and he's like, Hey, you guys are like the operations here are not efficient. And he's trying to like, tell them, you know, give them advice on how they should run the business. And they're like, yeah, I get, what do you know? You stupid banana salesman. Like, like they're just, they really are like, still like, yeah, you're just a banana. You're just a dumb banana guy. You don't know anything about any other fruit. Right. Um, so, so basically what he does is, uh, he, like he talks to the board, they say, you know, he doesn't know. So, uh, he goes and this is the board. They're not all necessarily shareholders. So he goes to, and, all the other shareholders he gets proxies for all the other shareholders like people and like this is right after the board told him like kind of talked him out of the room and so he like does this quick he goes and gets proxies for all the other shareholders and just like walks in one day and is like you guys are all fired we voted you out like and he runs a freaking another coup inside united fruit and takes back over just hostile takes over his own company united fruit uh, the proxies for all the shareholders uh, vote him in as like the acting CEO or whatever. Um, 
And yeah, so like this dude's run now a government coup and a crew on like the biggest fruit company in the world without like it, it just all pa- like back through back doors. You know what I'm he's saying? He's cuckoo. He's cuckoo for cuckoo. Ban- Banana guy is a baller. All right. Like he is. What? He's hardcore. All right. So, uh, oh so, so then he grows, obviously he grows it back up, which is ironically that he grows it and it's fruit and stuff like that. But yeah, and he, he grows it back up. Um, and he owns, he gets to the point where because they merged, he now owns like 70% of the land in Guatemala, 70% of the land of all of Guatemala. He, (laughs) he owns most of it. Wait, Guatemala or Honduras? Oh, he owns some Honduras too, but like he owns 70% of Guatemala. I mean, this is getting to be like a significant amount of like middle slash South America. I don't know if those. Is that middle South? There's so people in South America, from what I've heard, people in, South America, again, this is hearsay from other people I know who've spent time there. People in South America say that there's no such thing as Central America. Oh. So they consider Mexico North America, which technically it is. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And then it's South America where South America starts. They're like, there's no such thing as Central America. Like, that's something that North Americans are, or that's actually specifically something that people in the US and Canada made up so that they could not count Mexico as part of North America. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Hold. That's how South Americans see it. Hold on, hold on. That sounds like a lot of... It's very racist. Potentially, yeah. potentially. I, I've always considered Mexico, I guess, part of North America. Like, I thought those were, like, the three countries. But then, like, mid, I guess I did think of Central America as a thing, kind of, because I always thought, like, yeah. Panama Canal down, Panama, like, right. where the, you know, where it starts... I get you, like, like where it gets thin. There's a clear it gets shape. Thin right there. To, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's a clear shape. If you were looking, like, what is South America? Circle it on a map. I think most people would be like, well, there's a clear, like it looks kind of like the other piece to Africa. You wouldn't yeah. normally grab that other stuff. So they're that saying, they're, like, claiming, yeah. they're claiming from Mexico southward yeah, to South basically. America in your, in your uh, interpretation. Yeah, that's my interpretation of other people's okay. interpretations. Sorry, another so derailment, that, but that's what I'm here for. Baby. Double hearsay interpretation, yeah. There we go. Uh, so, so anyway, he now owns a whole bunch of Guatemalan land. And this is when... Uh, so at this point, we're probably to r- right around the 60s or something like that, uh, 50s, 60s, where uh, uh, communism is is getting popular. Uh, and in, in some so my places, techn- technological reference is like color TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. Or like, I mean, there's lots of 60s music, music we could be referencing here. Yeah. So sure, sure. it's like the Beatles are like, who are these guys? Oh, they seem pretty good, actually. Uh, I, I like mean, that hold your hand song. Um, so that's kind of what's going on right now. Their haircuts are a little out there. But... Yeah. What's with the bowl cuts uh, or whatever those are? They're not really bowl cuts. They're like they're the they're beaver weird. before the beaver. They had the OG beaver. I thought you said yeah. beaver at first. I'm like, I've never heard of the beaver cut, but the beaver cut. Yeah, it's where it's like a beaver just gnaws. <laughs> The hair off your head until you have no hair left, basically, yeah. or you, until you die, because I don't think that would work out. Anyway, back so, to the Banana King. He owns 70% of the land in Guatemala. A new president comes into Guatemala who is somewhere on the spectrum of either just a full communist, like, or at least communist sympathetic. He's, he's in that kind of zone, right? Um, and, and he starts privatizing the Banana Man, Sam the Banana Man's land. Meaning he's just saying, like, that's not your land anymore. It's our land now. Um, so he just starts taking chunks of land from him. So at this point, he's like, hey, you can't do that. And the guy's like, I can. I'm the president of Guatemala. Um, Guatemala, I do know from, again, people who have spent time in South America, is a particularly corrupt South American country, which is probably why he was 
That's probably why they were operating there, honestly. Uh, so he goes back to the to a U.S.-based PR firm. So this time he's like, all right, I can't do it on the South American end. Let's go back to the North American end. He goes back to this U.S.-based PR firm and starts running this like fear campaign about like, oh, Guatemala is becoming communist and like starts drawing attention to it. And he gets to run the, a third coup and he gets the FBI involved and the FBI basically runs another coup in Guatemala to remove this. So so officially it was the FBI who removed this Guatemalan president. Uh, I, I saw that one coming, though. Were you impressed? Yeah. I sniffed out the third one. Before I mean, dude, me. the, the coup is his playbook. I, sure. I was going to say, at this point, though, that's like, I, I'm guessing at some point there's going to be a fourth coup. That's yeah, what the, this guy does. The banana king is the king of the coup. All right. This so. guy's never had like an honest job job ever, by the way. <laughs> like creating a business is an honest job. Don't get me wrong. But like, it sounds like he's never been like, I'd like to like work at your shop, sir. Or whatever. He's no, like, nah, I don't. I take over shit. I take shit I over it. That's what I did. Well, and to be fair, that was actually more the mindset of business at that time, right? If you think of the Industrial Revolution sure. and stuff like that, it was like, yeah, look, you haul my steel because I have to make you haul my steel. But if you with me or my oil, like if you think about John Rockefeller and in the Vanderbilts, like his whole thing was like, yeah, you know, he did this huge deal with the Vanderbilts. The Vanderbilts raised his prices. Uh, and then he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build some big ass pipes that carry my oil instead. Like. Yeah more expensive but just to say f you like that, that's um, an important like piece of context too because i think yeah. a lot of people think now today like oh there's these ruthless businessmen who don't care about people it's oh dude like, it was so much worse yeah like we have it so easy compared to yeah. how it used to be yeah i mean there's a reason antitrust and monopoly laws came into place because it was like it was there was a point where it's like oh you can't crack in if you're not in you're out like um so, so anyway, yeah, he runs another coup on the South American president. It was officially not the FBI, but the CIA who, uh, who executed it. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was the third coup. Um, there's one other kind of like off, like, and, and so that was sort of like the last coup that he ran. And, and he was like, I think older at that point, I think he died in the seventies. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, the whole thing is like, basically his, his family was kind of, you know, in, in his family's in shambles, but dude built, you know, in a, a banana and eventually a full on fruit empire and ran a bunch of government coups. Uh, another sort of aside is I think he's Jewish and uh, he was instrumental in creating the state of Israel because uh, after World War II, basically, there was this whole thing going on where like Jewish people didn't feel like there was any place that they could live where they felt safe. So they're like, let's create a new place, um, which I did look it up. The state of Israel was created in 1948. Um, so like uh, they were like, let's create this new place. And it went to the UN. The UN voted on it and the UN was 50-50 on the first vote. And then Sam the Banana King started calling people up and was like, hey, you want to keep your job? Like vote yes for on Israel. And they voted on it again. And he had like, and they had swung you know, tw 10 or 20 votes. That's the story. Of course, I'm sure there was more behind the scenes stuff going on, but that's the story is that he was like, oh yeah. Oh, you, oh, what's, what's that you need? Oh, you need me to get Israel through? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I was, I'll make a couple calls. That's I the mean, banana thing, man. Takeaways. What are your takeaways here? What do you even like? Oh, here's what you can apply to your business. They're... I mean, I got to start with just other takeaways first, because I'm still just yeah. processing. First, yeah. Clear takeaway, recency bias. How, to the, my, my first clear takeaway, how is there not a movie about this guy? I there mean, should, yeah. coming this fall, obviously. Yeah, seriously. Uh, initial takeaway, I'm being honest, that DOB on Israel 
surprises the hell out of me. I thought it was way older than that. Obviously, the culture surrounding Israel is, uh, you know, there's a long history to that. But I thought even officially the, Israel. Like the, the official was, state creation of Israel. Yeah, I thought, I mean, if you would have given me, an, I, I mean, I would have guessed it's older than the U.S., honestly. That's just how well, ignorant I am. it's because Israel was it's a person, right? Like, it's I, not, yeah. Yeah, 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 right. I get, I, I get what you're saying. Like, there's particulars yeah. about it, but yeah, I mean, that, that I get blew you. me away first and foremost. Yeah. Secondly, not um, not, a, not great at geography or history. Yeah, uh, or geology. Not, not not a geology king either. Not not a history pod. Um, this guy. I mean, <clears throat> you said he was around like 13 when he started in this. No, no. I mean, so he was probably a little older than that. So it was probably the was 1890s. Little- yeah. So you might have been a late teenager, early, like young adult. You know, I think like, again, I mean, again, this isn't great. I'm just reacting in real time here. But you know, when you meet a couple. But by the way, this is like the main period of time he was building up Chiquita United for all that is during World War One and World War Two. I mean, yeah, there were plenty of things going on in the the time frame that we covered today, uh, for sure. But like, like one of the main things that I take away from this and I guess this, I can bring this to a businessy type of place, I think, is I need an example first. So have you met couples that like met in high school yeah. and they've never been with anybody else, basically, yeah. you know, yeah, not in any course, like significant way. Right. And they stuck together. And like, not only does it like work, you're like, oh, you guys could never be with anybody else. And I'll never have a relationship quite like the one you guys have with anybody. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right, right. Okay. That's like something born out of like, we're high schoolers. We don't really know, or high school age, we don't really know how the world works at all. Yeah. But I'm building like my future foundationally on this relationship. Right. And it feels like this guy saw some like overly ripe bananas. <laughs> and he did that with those. He saw a and ripe he just, opportunity. And, and talking about uh, that like stick to itiveness kind of thing like he, he uh, i think i was right he had an eye for finding an opportunity first and foremost yeah but it, like incredible follow to to be so determined to have your fruit business be successful that you stage not one not two but three yeah government like national coups in multiple countries and i technically don't know that he did anything like illegal illegal i mean uh, you know what i mean i guess i think that's probably like letter of the law for like those countries like probably not (laughs) because that's kind of how they operated or or probably but that's like pretty par for the course i guess is what i mean to say right like there's no way to operate here if you're not being illegal yeah right so like the fact that he did that though like i mean just speaks to like determination of like like people like to like again taking it to somewhere now we say like man can you believe, you know, yada, yada, insert guru or whatever here, you know, like a Gary Vee or whatever, like, oh, what an entrepreneur. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he has such right. entrepreneurship. <laughs> Sorry, Gary Vee ain't got exactly. nothing on the Banana King, you know the what I mean? The Banana like, King is the king. That guy had... Banana Man's a baller, dude. He was never going to entertain another possible business model, it sounds like. <laughs> like I said, like, he found that that early love in life, and even though he, he might be like, you know what... If I could have done it over again, it would have been, you know, horses. I should have been in the horse business, you know. Yeah. No, he didn't have same thing with a guy who met his wife in high school. He's like, I have not even looked at another I have no one doubts. since. I have no that, doubt. Yeah, like that's how this works, you yeah. know. Like 
yeah just incredible this man had such a relationship with bananas and such a mind for i mean, i would say business, a, a lot of it so so what i left to say out a lot of for business feels like it does not do him justice. It, it, that's, that's right. So a lot of what I left out because I hit the highlights of like, this is the crazy stuff. He was really like, and I can't emphasize this enough. He operationally and like in terms of like managing logistics and operations, he just saw so many things that nobody else ever thought of. Like, so like that whole thing where it's like he sniffed out an opportunity. He did that over and over and over and over again. Right. Like that. He was incredibly good at that. Right. So, yeah. Bloodhound. It's it's a little less exciting, you know, than running government coups. But uh, yeah, they're a sure. large scale representation of his ability to sniff out like, how am I, I going to this is the result I want. How do I get that? Um, and it, you're right. If Chiquita had a guy like that behind the, the steering wheel today, there would no doubt be like, you know, one of those 90 minute or maybe even like a one of those like six part miniseries on netflix about this guy well, a lot, wouldn't this a lot be of like the most like incredible promotion for yeah for chiquita or for whatever brand yeah. because like that, that's that kind of like perfect like we're not outright selling you bananas but we yeah. are here's in, our story yeah we are imprinting a story about bananas on you and meanwhile there's all this like pseudo subliminal like chiquita is obviously the brand you know i don't even know if there's another I don't know how many banana brands exist. I'll, I don't I'll admit my ignorance. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. either. I don't care to know anymore, I, though. Like, this is only, there's only one now. I'm all there's in. One, one brand of bananas that I'll eat. That's it. Uh, I mean, I, now that you, once you have the banana king, you can't go back. Yeah, that's, that's what they say. That is what they say. What's the moral um, of this story, John? I know we got to get out of here in the next few years. What's, what's dude, the moral I, of this story? That's what I was trying to ask you, man. I don't I mean, there's I, like I think, 10 morals so but so i think, my, my moral my moral was that like determination factor. yeah like, i think yeah i think it. that i think that's it so so what i'll say here is a lot of people are the jury's sort of out on him like not everybody thinks he's great like i think we hear this and we're you know we probably yeah. lean, we probably lean a little more capitalistic right than sure, than many sure. uh and we hear this and we're like this dude's a baller right <laughs> but like you know he just wasn't afraid to to get it done he did what he needed to do to get it done. And not everybody's a big fan of that. And that's fine. But what I will say about his success is that I think, uh, and this is nothing new, it's, it's sort of the 10,000 hours rule, right? Of like, if you stick with kind of like one thing for long enough, you'll get, you'll, you'll have relative success. Like it, it's almost, it's strange not to. If you stick for if you stick with one thing for long enough and you're focused on one thing and you work on and build and and like care about one thing for long enough, it's it'd be it's really strange not to be to get pretty good at that thing and and to be relatively successful at that thing. Um, so I think that's probably like I get the only real takeaway I can say about the banana guy that's like currently relevant because I'm definitely not going to advise people to go run, you know, government coups to increase their profit margins. No, no, I heard it. Uh, <laughs> I heard it and all the people heard it. If anybody is trying to put your business out of business, you have a big competitor. <laughs> you need to take a run page a out of this guy's playbook, run a coup on that Hire a private government. Army. And I mean, if that doesn't work, do it a couple more times and then it's bound to work. Maybe cool. also get involved with like founding another country, uh, like halfway across the world. Yeah. Uh, 
and that's that's the recipe for success obviously obviously did you didn't know that already uh all right well we should wrap up i will uh i'll wrap it up here if you are listening to this podcast on apple podcast or spotify or soundcloud or something like that please review the podcast uh rate the podcast give us five stars review the podcast tell us what you think what's your takeaway about the banana king like what's the actual applicable thing uh that you could say about like today you know business today uh, that you can take from this guy. Um, tell, let us know in the review. Uh, if you are on YouTube, let us know that same thing in the comments. Uh, if you made it this far in the video, I got to imagine that you're pretty in, enthralled in the banana man story. So let us know in the comments. What's the takeaway here? You know, what's the moral of the story? Or is it just a good story? Uh, if you're on YouTube, also subscribe to the channel, hit the bell icon so you get notified when we uh, have new videos. Also like this video so YouTube knows like, hey, more people got to know. More people, I got to get, YouTube YouTube needs to get the word out about the Banana King, right? No, more people need to know the story. I agree, John. And uh, I, I think it was a slip of the tongue there, but I, I, I thought I heard you say, you tube for a second. And <laughs> that would be, if there was one of the 50 states in the union that made their own YouTube. I think Utah would be right up there. They'd be like, oh, we don't, we don't want to be involved with the rest of this. They've anymore. done a lot of stuff like that. Like VidAngel came from YouTube and stuff, or not from YouTube, from Utah. Yeah. 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 Also, uh, if another fruit coup like sprouted out of the U.S., I'd go Utah with it. You know, they have South American connections as well. So anyway, get with the Utah and uh, form a banana company, stage a coup on the government and keep watching Modern Commerce, listening to Modern Commerce, rate review, all the things John said. And we'll see you next time.